when you do a Manny Walter show, right, your own show, let's say no one's billed you or anything like that, you're not sharing a lineup. Right. Who do you expect to see? Um, that is a great question. Caucasians. Um, and and so, so before I say that answer, which is the answer? <laughs> first episode of The Deep Cut by Sweden Andre, which is me and my co-host Maria, Maria Podesta Man <laughs> aka Essie aka No more than Chomi Miss Chomi if you nasty mm-hmm. and uh, we were Dirty ex- Diana <laughs> yeah we're very excited um, to just to be talking about music and uh, we'll be discussing South African artists the drawbacks of the music industry and the music that finds itself on the fringes of popular culture. Okay, it is on day. <laughs> Our first guest for this episode is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Manny Walters. <laughs> yeah, great to be in conversation with you both, man. Thank you, for yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, we must say primarily that this episode is about the scene of We'll call it alternative music for now. Yeah, we're gonna um, black that. alternative music in yeah. South Africa post the Black Jacks um two thousand and nine after Robots release. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Zwida said, we have Manny Walters here, who the first time I'd ever heard about Manny Walters, I was doing um, an arts journalism course with Percy Mabandu and Gwen Ansel. Percy Mabandu wrote a book called Yakali Ngomo, check it out. Um, <laughs> So we're doing this arts journalism course, and I remember we had to um, like interview people, and people were interviewing all sorts of interesting people, and I had just become diagnosed with anxiety at the time, so I was really just all over the place, and then someone was like, okay, someone needs to interview Manny Walters, and I was like, cool, I'll take that, because I didn't have anything else, because I wasn't really keeping up. And I remember the night before listening, he had an EP out at the time called Anecdotes, and I listened to the music and I was like, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. And Manny Walters describes his sound as, you know, like a soul, garage soul thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he was inspired by, oh, so yeah, so we do the interview. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, which we had a mix up because I wasn't grand, mm-hmm. but we did the interview in the lobby of the Sun International Hotel. And we were basically talking about his music and today, he has an EP called Dark Halo Art. I wanted to see you at the um, After Dark thing mm. so badly. He was performing at the aquarium. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember <laughs> um, being on Twitter like, someone buy these tickets for me because I didn't want to buy them myself. And then by the time I was actually prepared to buy them, they were sold out. I was like, oh, I don't know if Manny Walters was that big. I, uh, I got put onto Manny Walters. Uh, through the Jazz Fest as well. And uh, at the time you had the Anecdotes EP out, right? Mm-hmm. And you were preparing the Dark Halo EP. Right. How has that been? Just the, the release of the, of the new EP? Um, what's the reception been like? Um, what, what, what do you... 
what were you trying to say on the EP basically as well? Right, right. Um, yeah, so it's unsurprising, I guess. At the time, um, Jazz Fest was the biggest show I kind of done, or the biggest thing, the most significant thing I would say that's had better happened. Uh, to, to my career, at least momentum-wise, in this country, mm. and um, in this country. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so it's, it's cool that kind of um, our paths would kind of lightly cross over or start to cross over there. Mm. Um, I had been sitting on some of the tracks that are on the EP um, at the moment, the, the newer EP, Dark Halo, but I guess since then, um, there've been a handful of things that I was trying to orchestrate. At that point, I was trying to finish the EP. Completely independently and by myself, and um, yeah, sweetie, you're a musician. You can understand how the cost of things, if yeah. you're trying to run everything out of your own pocket, yeah. becomes tricky. And um, I guess that prolonged things for a little bit, um, and then about yeah, some, at some point last year, um, an independent label had approached me with um, just some interest because some of the other content I did was starting to get some attention, traction, some traction, if yeah. you will, um, something I'd been trying to do for a minute but hadn't quite infiltrated uh, or worked out how I was going to, you know, find these uh, uh, audiences that were not mm. were not in the Cape Town surrounds where I was at mm. and um, or in South Africa at large then, you know, with the power of the internet at that, that yeah. point. Um, so more than anything, getting Dark Halo out was um, a small triumph for me, which um, to kind of get that out and explore some um, visions I had with the rest of the tracks that we then um, yes. would finish during the course of over year towards the, the end of last year. Yeah. Now to go into sort of um, the thing that Sweden I have been having a back and forth about mm -hmm. in terms of defining this. I know you were also like, what are we going to call this episode? It's sort of defining the sound, right? But there's clearly a very black or a colored whatever mm. um there's a very black space in this now i call it guitar music ironically because <laughs> yeah um there's a very black space in it and it's sort of um i think one of the things we're going to struggle with is defining and i think we're just going to settle on calling it alternative music mm. but um i think we would we should just sort of start on what would you call your sound i would call my sound Alternative soul music. Mm. Alternative soul. Alternative soul. Um, so, I'm, I'm, yeah, and, I, and I'm sure you got a lot of questions there, but I, I, I would, yeah, I would, or like, what have I said in the yeah, alternative or like electric rhythm and blues music. Mm. Yeah, or, I heard you say that. Um, but also, <laughs> um, I remember thinking about when it was time to choose what genre the EP will fall under. Just about to get into that. Um, I was like, well, look, I for years have been also. Of, the worst part of the album is like choosing the genre. I hate that part. I, I hate that part. Yeah. And, but also, we, uh, we're musicians, right? But we also got to be switched on to, there's nothing worse than when you're talking to a journalist and they're like, so tell me, what's the start of you? And you're like, well, you know, I can't be contained. Yeah. Right, so the genre selection part, right? Yeah. It's always the tricky thing. And I guess for years, it's always a joke, uh, my band members and I would have, because we'd find ourselves in, the, in, like, in the country um, being on these, you know, rock and roll bills yep. um, and normally laughing about how, oh, it seems to be the diversity portfolio. Yeah. Right? yeah. Might as well smash before these, yeah. these other cats play. Right and, action band. <laughs> right. But the thing is, um, while there's certainly intentional rock and roll aesthetics in my music, it's a big yes. part of why I do what I'm doing. So that didn't happen by accident. I'm, yeah. I'm into that and we can get to that in a second. Um, yeah. But 
I feel like it's a bad blanket term for the scope of my writing because when you do the digging in where my musicality comes from, it is soul music from a colored home that you will yeah. eventually. Yeah. Uh, so and then all those other the, the, the rock aesthetics would come from me finally getting access to a lot of music I didn't have as a teenager growing up yeah. in a colored home, which would happen post school, and I'd be like, actually, I'm quite into that. Actually, I'm quite into that. And after, hang on. This is black people's thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. or black whatever, music. Right, which, which is not a thing that I was so hip to in, um, in let's say, you know, early high school or whatever. Yeah. So I ended up, and also I have some songs that are not as, like, okay, Hear Me Now is a, a lot of the blues rock cats dig that because they're yeah. like, you know, cool song, and then the soul vocals, they, that's the dynamic, and they're like, that's cool. But um, I've got a lot of other songs that are a bit more singer-songwriter-y, yeah. and because maybe it's not so thick R&B, I believe soul is the blanket term there, because, and then the dynamic within that is that he plays guitar, or the guitar sounds a bit gritty, or whatever. Yeah. So I guess gritty soul music, that's why I like alternative soul, because I'm, I'm not too parked into one corner. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think for me, mm. um, the thing that makes me so like adamant when it comes to rock music and mm. like punk music and Jude and I were talking about it it's um fuck you <laughs> it's um because it's 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 normal for us to listen to soul or guido or whatever it is but that part where you discover the parts of yourself where you go hang on I actually like listening to rock music mm. um it's not that normal it's it's a very alternative thing and sort of what I'm scared of is us going into okay yeah Manny Walters makes Garage Soul and then we erase Manny Walters' place in alternative punk rock music because for me it's as much as sonically it's important it's also important in terms of what this rec um, what this represents because in terms of genre and that's why people black Americans are still fighting like no punk doesn't belong to white people rock and roll doesn't belong to white people because there's still like that very erasure so for me it's about going now fight for your place in alternative music <laughs> right well I actually just want to reference the fact that you do like going back to your parents um, influence in your musical lineage um, where you talk about the fact that the stylistics and Sam Cooke and uh, 60s Soul mm. was really the music, music you were listening to when you were growing up yeah. and I remember when I saw your music on Apple Music, I was expecting it to, you know, say rock on the mm, right. Apple Music tab. Right. Then I saw R&B Soul, and I was confused mm. because I was like, okay, well... That is very confusing. I, I didn't think I would see that until I listened to the music and sat down with it and kind of realized, oh, well, R&B Soul, R, what does R&B stand for? Rhythm and Blues. Mm. This comes from a history. And, uh, of course, we have our own idea of what R&B is today. Chris Brown, Bryson Tiller. Mm. I mean, that's contemporary R&B. That's another conversation. We're not going to talk about R&B. No, we're not. But the fact is that I still believe that what he does is R&B soul. Based on what you've said and based on what I've heard, it kind of corroborates the influence that you've mentioned directly in the in the interviews that you had where you say these are the people. And I kind of hear the continuation of that tradition of soul yeah. Music from Black American '60s artists right. in the in the in the style of the playing of the band and the singing and even in the topics, you know, it's mm -hmm. just you know essentially soul music comes from a place that can't really be uh, packaged in the same way that we you know listen to like I said those artists Chris Brown and and, right. and Usher and Bryson Tiller. So that's that's what I kind of learned to really realize is that it, it's all the 
just but I feel like that just places limitations on. Obviously, now we're talking about very mm. American genres because this is American. But I do feel, for whatever the global experience of blackness means, that just places limitation on black experience um, or say. black musicality because it's like. You're not a nigger making R&B. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. like, but that's not just what you're doing. Sure, yeah. I guess. You know what I thought about when you were getting through what you were saying now um, is I suppose part of my th- uh, thinking was as well in terms of going, well, I don't really want to classify this as like a rock record up front. Um, mm. or, or you know, even though those aesthetics, will, I, I reckon, will, will be in a lot of music I make. Um, I figured if some if it's contextualized as soul music, right, and maybe some new listeners, because remember I'm very much in the pursuit of still finding my audience. Yeah. Um, if their context is, what is this a modern soul record or what is this a whatever? Let's check it out. And the first thing you hear is like clanging guitars. Yeah. I've already sort of put, I've kind of already uh, steamrolled the aesthetics into, I've, I've kind of, I'm trying to reimagine this idea mm, yeah, of, yeah. Of, 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 you know, what R&B's become or what soul's become or whatever. Thank because when, we, when I listen to Curtis Mayfield, I'm not like, this is yes. some rock stuff or whatever. Yes. But, but I mean, there's wah pedals and yeah. there's um, yeah. all, 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 all the stuff I love. But I, I, I don't, I, I'm, everything I'm saying now is not negating your point of what you're saying. Um, like, it, it almost... I'm not trying to take away from all that I am doing, but it's almost like I figure that's for the listener to still yeah, explore. Yeah. If I can get you there to click, sure. to cool. click play to and get through. And then eventually, you know, by, I imagine by like song or whatever, um, you can work out why the artist thinks it's soul. Mm-hmm. And if you then start digging a bit more and you go and find the stripped down stuff, you're yeah. like, ah, is the, that's where this cat's at. And yeah. then yeah. the record kind of just gives you an insight into what's going on vision-wise in my head and um, aesthetics are like. Um, that's that's super interesting. Great to hear your your your, your, your both your thoughts on that. Well, I think we can get right into it. The yeah. the, the theme of the mm. that's that's the literally I was looking yeah. at the <laughs> agenda. Yeah, the, the agenda. agenda. Um, starting with after robots. So when I approached Essie with the idea for this episode, I just wanted to look at the fact that on September eighth. 2019 oh, was a 10-year anniversary <laughs> of. Blackjack's critically acclaimed landmark album After Robots and I kind of wanted to look at the fact that so much had happened during the time that that album came out and I want to look at the space that they occupied 10 years from now in 2019 you know from versus 2009 to where we are now and see if there is still a sense of that thriving black alternative music mm. recently Blackjack's released their uh, latest single uh, single with Morena Deraba, very great song. Hanare. I love it. And I mean, you've seen the return of Kanye experience on the Afropunk stage yeah. later this year. Yeah. Also seeing uh, some BCUC. insurgents, BCUC, uh, um, the uh, Santa experiment right. as well. Yeah. So these are these are these are acts that are really popping. But I want to basically just ask: Are we looking at it in a sense of these are this is a thriving? thriving, thriving space or movement, the same way that we can obviously identify that hip-hop is thriving in South Africa, that Gom and Ama Piano is thriving in South Africa. I have big beef with, um, and we go back and forth about this, um, with this black alternative thing in South Africa, because it literally means 
if you're not making Maskandi house hip hop, you know, alternative, that's like, that's a huge blanket. It makes no sense to me. But it is alternative because it's. No, but then how do we, and I know you don't care yes, for genre no. that much, but sonically. Well, the nit, the nitpicking can happen. That's, that. sure, you can do that. But what I think is that it comes from the fact that these guys are, Firstly, alternative can also mean non-mainstream, which is what we have to get to, like you just mentioned. And, uh, you know, the biggest mainstream genres right now being I'm a piano. Like but I what is it. mainstream in South Africa when you... I just yeah. Tell me if I keep cutting you short. No, it's all But right. um, what is mainstream in South Africa when you have, like, AKA, massive. Yes. Who's doing the work of writing about AKA in a way of canonizing him? I don't so think his music deserves besides, that treatment. <laughs> It doesn't matter. But the point is yeah. no one is doing that work yeah. on anyone. Yes. So then what would make you mainstream other than like instantly right now? Airplay. I think that's a big, big But then big. what happens 10 years from now? Because the whole thing is if we're going to talk about music from the fringes, mm -hmm. then we must have a solid mainstream. And we don't have a solid mainstream. I would disagree. I think hip hop and house and Afro pop as well as right now, like I said, Gorm and I'm a Piano is our mainstream. Some of them actually came from the fringes, like Gorm. We know that right. it took a long time for it to bubble because it started off in KwaZulu-Natal and Eastern mm. Cape. And now we know it as one of the biggest... Yeah. I mean, your December can't go without there being a Gorm song in the set list. I don't know, my December goes fine. Well, I mean, I was in uh, Durban when Omunya came out. That yeah. song was being played when I woke up, when I slept, when I was going, you know... It's mainstream, like they, you can't defeat it to the point where these are the guys that are going to be playing on your SBCs, on your radio stations, on your MTVs and Trace. They'll so be getting that Samro money from that like Samro money. Yeah. What's you know? Samro money? Yeah. Samro money. Yeah. Everyone's fighting. So I consider those guys mainstream. I, I yeah. do. I, but no, I understand but what I'm... you're saying because there's no. Uh, I think we also like to compare ourselves a lot to international markets, which can uh, look at it in a way where we dwarf ourselves because of the fact that we don't have the same type of market. But there. we're here talking about jazz, R&B. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Chris Brown. Yeah. We're, those yeah. are international peoples. Yeah. So how come when it comes to... Well, AKA, I guess my frustration is as a writer. Yeah. Um, but how come when it comes to like local music and documentation? Because I feel like that's at the fore of... Listen, yes. the singer's job is to sing. The writer's job is to write. Well, you got two musicians here. Maybe you should go and ask the writers because I don't have that answer for you. But I'm joking. I hear what you're saying. No, I hear what you're saying. I was going to ask, let them listen to you, yeah. your idea on like the mainstream. Mm. That's not a mainstream. What would you call a, a thriving... I guess I was thinking about that thriving. Like, is the black alternative scene thriving? And I was like, mm -hmm. how, is it, how can we can we even separate socioeconomics from this question of thriving no, no. in South Africa? No, that's, what we're trying, that's what we're trying no. to answer. Mm -hmm. It's also, for me, sustainability is a hey, big... It's as a person who... My primary interest, as you both know, is Guaido music. Yes. I don't care. After this, I will still love Guaido. <laughs> and that's all I'll care to write about. Yeah. But um, sort of looking at how the genre is sort of like combusted by itself and how... Yeah. Even because there was there was writing about it, but it was Caucasian academics, yes. um, and this, and then you look now, it's, it's no like, quite just came like this and it died like yeah. this. So for me, we can call whatever we want to call a mainstream culture, but in terms of impact, mm -hmm. in terms of, um, and that's why I guess I'm more interested in 
what's Black Jack's doing? Um, what's Manny Walters doing? Because yes. that's the music that's not like. Yeah, it's marginal music. But it's also the music that has the most effort. Yeah, I think I look at Black Jack's because they were really, 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 really hot when they came out in terms of the coverage. Pitchfork wrote about them. The Pitchfork. Let's go into it. Pitchfork, the Fader. Rolling Stone calling him the best new band in Africa. Dave Cool saying that they had their, his, his album of the year. Right. Uh, um, they were on. Um, what's this now? I remember when I got introduced to them. Like I, I keep explaining the story. I saw them on the Sunday Times Lifestyle magazine. I was yes. like 13 year old. You know they used to do the magazines. And I and I really do think that they did a good job with the music journalism back then on those papers because I used to read the album reviews there. And just reading about Blackjack is fascinating, you know, this black rock band. I've never heard anything like this, I've never seen anything like this. I can't even imagine what it sounds like, black people doing rock. And I just thought, well, this is something, this is an anomaly. So this is this is really great. Um, this, this is, and I mean, like we're talking about the fact, they made it onto the FIFA 10 soundtrack. I keep going back to that. Like, once you make it there, you're, you're, done. you're done. You know, the 2010 uh, World Cup, they were made it. They made it on that stage. So they could really, really say that they placed the flag on, you know, this black alternative music in terms of their positioning. Most certainly. But we kind of saw that, and then we saw, I mean, we saw the ripple effects, which we are going to get into now. Yeah. The brother moves on, and I mean some of the other bands that were also popping at that time, late antique, even the fridge. You had a genre that they like to call urban scape, nice. and all these you know different, which I like to say alternative as a blanket yeah. term. Uh, not to say that they were all rock, but yeah. it basically opened up this floodgates for black Jobic based bands, mm. and uh, we saw that, and it was a great great time. And then it fizzled out, and now yeah. we got, um, you know, to the point where Blackjacks is in a sense making a comeback, mm. and uh, you have to kind they're of they're releasing an album. They're releasing an album, you know. So it's so I, to to go back to the thriving question, I think in some ways we are seeing these bands like BCUC and Suncloud Experiments doing international gigs, and it makes me happy to see yeah. that mm-hmm. Glastonbury booking, you know, BCUC is big. The Giles Peterson, Worldwide FM, all these platforms that are recognizing what I like to think of as black alternative music mm-hmm. more than we are recognizing it. Yeah. And uh, it's actually one of the questions that I wanted to pose to you in, in terms of your gig rates. Uh, I mean, we spoke about Russia and Hungary and that experience for you. Um, in some ways, do you feel like there's a certain aspect of this country not getting what you're trying to do as a colored person playing or a black person playing uh you know guitar music uh, <laughs> and you know versus when you go to russia or, or hungary and is there reception is the reception different to what you're trying to do yeah certainly it's, been, it's so great listening to you reflect on discovering the black checks for the first time a lot of my relativity is so similar mm. um i was plugged into a um a white alternative music channel at the time I was on DCV called MCOM yeah. and um, <laughs> that's where I kind of would get coverage on this yeah. and I remember in like 09 or maybe early in 2010 one of the stalwarts of like the SA you know white rock scene um, the Prime Circle? no 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 I, believe, <laughs> I, I could be wrong but it was someone like a Francho Van Koch you know oh, like, wow. uh, and, and, I, and, and I remember him saying something like um, or whatever in passing something like well I mean you know Dave Grohl's favorite album of the year was the Blackjacks or whatever Yeah. and then I was so I was like that's dope but I was like okay so 
Um, I've seen you play live a couple of times, Mr. Van Cola, and um, I've fuck off, uh, and you know me, yeah, and, and all the the fuck off love children projects after yes. that. Um, but I was like, I've never really seen the blackjacks like on the road or yeah. playing. Mm -hmm. um, a big part of how I got into the live scene was having access mm -hmm. to these live gigs and in mm -hmm. yeah. Cape Town, and I was like, okay, okay, you know, this is cool. And um, then I was like, it would seem that. The way to you know in my young in my like early twenties mind being like okay the blackjacks how I've never heard of them yeah. what does it even sound like where do they play where are they based yeah. how do how do how do you kind of go and watch them play or yeah. whatever but so then yeah but the first idea in my mind that seemingly it seems like you have to get momentum somewhere else before. to be able before cats here are talking about it yeah. because Absolutely. I was like um, well you know listening to um, Francho Van Kirk at, at the time I was like okay well you know you're like let's say you're the biggest rock band in the country yes right? um, it's weird if, if Dave Grohl's listening to SA rock music and he's yeah. not checking y'all out but he's, he's checking like why you uh, not or, or I was just like wondering about these yeah. things yeah. and I was like right yeah. so now Dave Grohl loves this but I'm a young you know, brown cat in South Africa. Ah, where can I watch this band play? I've never heard of them. Yeah. Um, and I mm. guess that, not for the first time, but put this idea in my head that it would seem, and what we were talking about earlier, about there seems to be an audience. Mm -hmm. I didn't identify it as an issue then. I would later find out, um, or I mean, you know, I'm still kind of working that oh, out, yeah. where these audiences are at and yeah. how it works. But I hadn't put my finger on the socioeconomic access that maybe a lot of white rock bands would have yeah. in like student towns or in Cape Town or whatever it is. I think. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, I was looking at the Afropunk Brooklyn and Afropunk Paris lineups and yeah. Gary Clark Jr. is one of my favorite. I think he's my favorite artist of this current moment. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And and I was like, um, and I remember I had tweeted, get Gary Clark Jr. and Manny Walter so I know it's real, whatever, mm -hmm. to Afropunk. And sort of looking at Afropunk as this platform that can introduce us to black oh, guitar right. music. Right. No, um, even me. Yeah, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was that, thought, you know, that's what I saw. Yeah. And, and it's sort of, it hasn't panned out that way. And I guess this is where um, my real ideas are going to come through because, like, now Miguel's headlining, and I guess yep. Miguel's like, as cool as D'Angelo used to be back in the day, or whatever, Never. but I'm sort of, okay, <laughs> okay, this is it, <laughs> I told you, but, um, but sort of listening to, um, and I've seen Afropunk yeah. sort of struggle in, with um, placing the Afropunk in South Africa, bringing Utanda Swamazwai, bringing Maskandi, and I'm like, but this is not quite alternative because this is a majority black country. So we do a very different thing musically. Yeah. To be fair though, um, it seems like that is something that they get wrong even in America as well. A lot of people. They have Gary Clark Jr. headline. That's one person. What are person. they going to do? Punk's not hot though. Well, well, I mean, that's the same thing here though. People don't like the fact that Tyler, the creator, plays at Afropunk because he's just, you know, a rapper. Yeah. Or Erica Badu or all these, you know, um, quote-unquote alternative artists or non-mainstream artists, independent musicians. Because the Afropunk Festival, which we'll get into a little bit later, was initi initially for punk yeah. rockers. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I hear what you're saying. Look, I mean... To be fair as well, they did have blackjacks with Tandy Summers Wire. They did. No, they did. They had um, the Come In Your Face um, mm. black uh, rock band. Uh, in The so Come In Your Face, who doesn't have an album out or yeah. anything. <laughs> um, so I, I think that for them, 
well, it actually kind of poses the question of whether it's thriving or not. Is the scene thriving enough for them to be able to find these artists? Right. And I think what I like to also think about is the fact that we are so centered in um, two cities, basically. Cape Town mm, and Johannesburg. We spoke about this. Yeah. And I kind of don't want to believe that there's no band in the Northwest, in Kimberley, in the Northern Cape, in Bloemfontein mm. that isn't cooking up some shit. Um, I guess it comes back to what we, what, you, what one thinks is thriving. Yes. And also our idea of... And so for me, sorry, the, the question of you can't really separate the socioeconomic side even no. if your pursuit is to rip some kind of strong cultural yeah. um, agenda in terms of you know music, musical yes. style or whatever at the end of the day I guess they're trying to do an event in South Africa and sell tickets mm. and what is thriving? Yeah, what is thriving? thriving for me would be what Ama Piano is doing now and I have to be realistic I don't see that happening just because we are a very 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 mainstream driven culture like every single part of the world but at least the other parts of the world, aka the US and the UK, have that money to put. Don't you think about every great artist who's died broke? Um, so has uh, the pop artists, you know. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's a genre thing. I think that's an industry thing. Music business fucks you. But yeah, but I mean, then in terms of then, how do we define thriving? Thriving would be for me if they can get the same airplay. Going back to okay. um, what I was thinking about. I mean, we were going to talk about jazz and other episodes about how that also used to be pop music in South mm-hmm. Africa, mm-hmm. where Huma Sagela had the biggest songs in South Africa. Yeah. Right. And uh, now it's DJs. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. Thriving for me would just giving the same airplay and media coverage. When you do a Manny Walter show, all right, your own show, let's say no one's billed you or anything like that, you're not sharing a lineup. Right. Who do you expect to see? Um, that is a great question. Caucasians. Um, the, and, and so before I say that answer, which is the answer? <laughs> um, I would say it would depend on you know where said gig is. So I guess what I have access to. So um, you know um, you know I'm based in Cape Town. So where can we play? Where are the live spaces or whatever? And I guess I was way more quick on the trigger to getting up in anywhere a few years ago compared to yeah now or whatever. To um and it, it then the, then the question becomes less about who the audience is. I'm trying to. Um, hit it more becomes who is you know, what, what socioeconomically what demographic are we looking at for yeah. somebody that can come and can engage with let's again called you know alternative music happening um, in the Cape Town space and that invariably to me becomes about socioeconomics yeah um, like as, and, and almost nothing else so I a big part of um, my experience of pursuing music in South Africa or Cape Town at large is the dynamic of primarily playing to white audiences, yeah. um, trying to find stages, and obviously I have my takeaways about that. In general, I think audiences are smarter than people think, but yeah. I don't think it's a far-out thing for me to sometimes say a lot of, I think, like my musicality and what I'm trying to do, I think yeah. understanding that, oh, you know, they're good at that, or that drum is good, or that's yeah. a thing, but also maybe understanding the context of where this cat's coming from, um, so like, and then that's kind of led to things like me often being like categorized as like a blues cat sometimes, mm-hmm. or yeah. like or whatever. And then I'm yeah. on bulls with, yeah, I guess once again, I fit the diversity portfolio in that yes. I'm like I've got a guitar and whatever, but yeah. the sound. You're right, but 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 you know the nuances of the sound. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, is, but yeah. But me, that's where genre becomes important. I was about to say yes. because it's 
there's nothing new about Manny Walters as far as your race politics are concerned. Like, you're not the first colored man we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it no. means there's something there that's happening sonically. And that's why, for me, it was so important that in terms of this episode, we define genre. Let's get into that. Because it means there's something that you're doing that's not quite resonant mm. with black people in whatever mm. blanket you want to call it. Mm. So it's then, how do we look at... Alternative music, new wave music, rock music, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, how do we look at it um, specifically and say, this is the space for black expression? Because if it were just about who you are, then it would all rock up because we all go to rants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We show up. <laughs> so there's clearly something that you're doing that's yeah. not rants worthy. Right. And rants people love soul music. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to just talk about soul because there's nothing new about soul. But there's something new about going, oh, I am a person who's very inspired by rock music. I'm a person who, even if we want to talk about Gary Clark Jr., Gary Clark Jr. in America stands right now, is struggling with a black audience. Most, most certainly, yeah. Wow. So then it's, um, then it's like... Well, you, you, you're actually hitting the point that I was trying, or the next discussion point that I think we should bring up, the genre thing. Uh, so what, you know, going back to the angle of this episode was Black Jacks and their sort of success, commercial success. Uh, they classified themselves as alternative music and they ended up winning the um, best, best, summer, best alternative album, the Summer Award, in the year that after, after Robots came out. But uh, when you ask them, they kind of don't really like to place it there as just alternative. And I can understand why. I mean, there's the references to Mbakanga and Maskandi and traditional um, indigenous African music but but to to that point I think I think what makes South African alternative black alternative music special or unique is the fact that we have that African uh, tradition seeping into our sounds which is why I kind of like to reference BCUC and what they do as black alternative music yes you can clearly hear that it's coming from a traditional aspect of you know Nguni music um, and uh, I had a myself and Nessie had a great discussion with Ashia about some of the jazz bands of the past, like uh, Philip Tabane and Malombo and Batsumi and uh, Dudu Bokwane and Asakai and Spear. And these were looked at as avant garde jazz musicians, mm. and what they do is, is spiritual jazz in that realm. But you kind of hear the, the similarities between what they do and what bands like Sankla and PCUC do. What I'm saying is, I don't separate the genius. Well, I don't separate. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, what Peyton, Nicholas Peyton. On, uh, jazz is a four-letter word. Yeah. He talks about how black genius is. Yes. Basically, he doesn't separate the R&B from the rock, no. from the this, right. from the... Uh, to finish the point, though, actually... Sorry. B- no, it's all right. BCC called their music Afro-Psychedelia. Mm. And I remember reading that first in a Red Bull Musical Academy article and thinking, okay, this writer just came up with the word because, you know, I've never yeah. heard of this before. Until I realized, no, that's what BCC call themselves. They're not so much focused on the sonics of psychedelia, but that's what just they call their music. Experience. It's a spiritual experience. But I think it's a great un- umbrella term for what we can describe what is happening now with the advent of their music, you know, on these big festival stages, as well as Santa and Late Ante. But what do you... And Urban Village, sorry, yeah. 
No, don't say sorry. I'm not interrupting you. But what do you do with someone like Manny Walters mm-hmm. and our list blackjacks? Mm-hmm. Because these are sounds Rock that man. are not. They not. There's nothing. I mean, outside of experience, there's nothing explicitly indigenous about it. No. Um, Certainly not mine. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. also even blackjacks. It's okay. A vernacular word here and there. I'd. <laughs> well, the new single Harare, I didn't. It sounds so far from what they did in After Robots. But even when you think about Lakeside, Lakeside, yeah, Lakeside. But there was had the song Badaba Mudimo and Molalatladi. I just hear and they, there's but that song where they take that folk uh, storytelling. Uh, things called Selani. It's like a tradition. Yeah, those children's yeah. stories. I think that's what makes it. That South African imprint of South African alternative music against the backdrop of the rock aesthetics, that's what which I'm kind saying. of substantiates. Yes, yes. Is you. that important to you? What What is specifically the, that, that, indi- indigenous that, that indigenous South background? African. So to, to me, it's, it's I, I would say that's important to artists if you kind of come from that like lineage, if you have access to that. So like I said in my. Um, I thought about this earlier with the connection to like American soul music or whatever. I would find that through um, celebrated music in the colored community, um, yeah. and then there is a you know the, the, to me there's like a cultural black connection yes. there. So to me that's like an indigenous link. I'm perfectly aware of that. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a post-apartheid child of parents who wanted to send their children to better schools yeah. and whatever. So I've you know been in white space in high school and at yeah. university, and so there was a lot of Western influence. Yeah. Right. But I still think my journey to that is um, my indigenous, if you will. But again, yeah. that's not going. On, that's not going to come across on the record like what BCUC kind of has. Yeah. Or, um, uh, so, so I would I would agree with I would agree with you. There. I'd be interested to hear what like Blackjack's cats would say about about mm. that. They uh, um, they did an interview on SABC where they were basically talking about that their music is more traditional now. Uh, yeah. This is in twenty seventeen. So I, I think we can hear it in Harare. And there's a man named Marlon Swai. I think he's from Kills River actually. And um, I remember he came into our lecture um, our lecture room. And then he started rapping in Kumbay style. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so obviously, I was like, you know, the kid was interested in everything, sure. whatever. And then, <laughs> he was a music um, nerd. <laughs> and then, anyway, so he talks about um, kind of what hip hop does or did for colored people, um, particularly referencing Prophets of the City. Mm. And it says, imagine you're living in a country where, in terms of stratification, people have gone, this is Caucasian, this is Indian, this is colored, mm. this is black. It's kind of like what we do with genres. Mm. <laughs> Take that elsewhere. <laughs> Take that elsewhere. And he goes, so this is happening. And then you have people looking at who's unfortunate now, Africa Bambata, because mm. he's yes. a rapist. A child predator, yeah. Etc. But anyway, he goes... Hey, too many of that. Too many listen, of yeah. but he goes, phenotypically, these people... My people, Marlon, because he's a colored man, and he goes, um, these people are looking at people who look like them, mm. phenotypically. Because, you know, like, the space for blackness in America, yeah, sure, huge, huge. massive, vast. So prophets of the city gets to go, oh, this is how we can express ourselves and we can find ourselves and we can Africanize ourselves uh-huh. and say there's a place for me in this I don't know, but this sounds like what Blackjacks did with After Robots to me, to be honest with you. What you're describing is the sense of what Marlon, I'm sure what he was going to say if you had finished what you want to say, is what I felt when I saw Blackjacks. 
Because I've heard of rock. I know rock music. Mm. I like some songs. Mm. But I've never seen black people do it. Yeah. So when I saw that... That space for your expression. Yes. Right. Um, um, and that's why I'm like, Manny, say rock yeah. music. For sure. What? And I'm not running away from rock music. I'm, I guess in the artistic pursuit, trying to stay true to my things, but I'm starting to see why you're pushing mm. the, the, the genre. Because you're like, there's an ownership that's yeah. getting... Uh, Ownership. I don't want to say hustled, if you will, yeah. but yeah, or, or, or actually we talk about a re-ownership uh, yeah, type, yeah, yeah. type uh, Like type a reclamation thing. project, in a way. We're yeah. taking back what was always ours. Yeah. This is the part where we talk about the genius and national way. Go into it, yeah. yeah. I mean, the history um, of, of, of... So, for me, how I fell in love with... Okay, I'd always... Um, so, my history in terms of music was always because I grew up in a village. So, it was always Lucky Dube. And <laughs> and some quite of music. That's just Jabu like um, and Jabuka like yeah. that's what I grew up around. Yeah. And then um, it's interesting. It was through watching idols mm. and hearing like oh the song sounds interesting. And then googling the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then like watching movies. And mm-hmm. we always talk about AC, Where does the music come from? Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And um, but I read a book about rock against racism which is this movement that starts in um, 1976, where Eric Clapton, who used to be one of my favorite guitarists, but Eric Clapton hops on the mic and he says, you know what, the blacks are taking over, the Pakistanis are taking over, we need to take the UK back, and there's... Mm. He's rapping about that in 76. He's not rapping. So, 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 I've been talking about him. Yeah, 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 in 76, there was a politician named Enoch Powell. Mm-hmm. And Enoch Powell was pushing that anti-black, anti-immigrant, white supremacist propaganda, basically. And Eric Clapton was drunk. Oh, hold on. This is in his documentary, I think, yeah, at one point. Yeah. That's when Eric dropped the ball heavily. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, Eric okay. Clapton was drunk, and he goes, yo, like, we need to take this shit. Um, and then this man named Red Saunders was a photographer for all these rock people um, writes an open letter and he's basically like Eric you're racist and it's interesting because one of your biggest songs are a Bob Marley cover I shot the sheriff and I remember he signed it off P.S. who shot the sheriff Eric sure shit wasn't you <laughs> um, but he starts this thing and it's like because that's, that's when punk at least if we're thinking of punk as having its genesis in the UK, that's when punk bubbles under um, around this rock against racism mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, the Clash and the Sex Pistols and all these people mm-hmm. fighting against racism. Mm-hmm. And then you find X-Ray Specs mm-hmm. with polystyrene. I don't know if you read that. Yeah, I, did, I did, I did, I did, yeah. That, um, that was my introduction. Into like... That, well, the, to my passion mm, right because um, mm. I'd always loved the music but to think of it as a political project and With to think black of person mm, an anti-establishment yeah, project yeah, yeah. fronted by because yeah. it's for me um, and I think this is why I'm gonna we can talk about so we can talk about whatever but it's so important that at the end of the, this episode we feel like we own rock music <laughs> I, I, yeah I've, or we yeah. own because it's sort of like this happens and all these experiences get erased. True. I, I agree with you. And I think I came to that conclusion the first time I heard about Muddy Waters, mm. Howlin' Wolf, sure. Sister Rosetta Tharp, mm. Big Mama Thornton, mm. Chuck Berry, Little mm. Richard. It, it, it was not, it's not a question for me who made rock, who owns rock. The rock that uh, has come out in a way that belongs to white people is not so much something that I really care about. But I know 
what rock and roll music is. But it's in it's it's in the twelve bar blues. That's rock and roll to me. But for me, as much as that genesis is important, it's also important to note that there's a continuous participation True. of black people in that genre. So how are we going to locate Manny Walters? Mm. And not locate polystyrene. Who makes punk? But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Jimi Hendrix is an easy mark. Yeah. But for me, it's as much as we can, because everybody says everything comes from black people. That's not new. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's not new. But as far as looking at this thing and going, okay, we can say white people appropriated this. Mm-hmm. Sure, if that's a conversation you want to have. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take away from the fact that. In that continuum, there were black people making that shit. And how do we make those people visible? Well, what happens if the artist doesn't really feel like that rock is the 100% word? Because they also have... It's like a parent, you know? I can have a Setswana-speaking mom and a Isikosa-speaking dad. And for me to say which one of those are, if, let's say, I came from a background where they're both important to me, it's going to be hard for me to just say rock or punk. This is where you come. This is where Manny, yeah, I I, kind of understand Manny's point a little bit more in that sense where I hear what you're saying and the necessity of it is so crucial because we have people growing up thinking that rock is white people music, which is what I'm sure most of us grew up with, which is why Blackjacks is a fascination to me. But I think it's more important for the artists for themselves to be able to say, well, yes, rock is there. But at the end of the day, it's this for These, me yeah. as an individual experience. But, the, but that's that's not new because even in, no, I mean, never not. mind the fact that white people don't reference what they listen to. <laughs> no, no, but don't. if you think about even rock and punk, I mean, there was a time when Bob Barney was being marketed as a rock artist mm-hmm. because people are listening mm-hmm. to stuff outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about sky and punk, reggae mm-hmm. is a big influence mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. So for me, for us to sit and dwell on of course many grew up listening to soul we all grew up listening to soul so for me it's like that's there's nothing new about that conversation I do and I feel like I understand that better than I did earlier in the discussion in terms of where you're coming from and for me listening to you go back and forth is I suppose I was thinking about this earlier with um, the blackjacks um, point of departure as well it, it comes back to the issue of thriving I guess in terms of how it is remembered or whatever and then against this idea of the artist pursuit right so back to the mainstream question thing I was thinking about when I was checking out that Miguel album um, that we yeah, Wild, Wild Heart Wild Heart um, and Which I was like so I guess you're either I'm unsurprised to hear that yeah um, <laughs> especially as yeah, especially at this point in the convo um I guess you're trying to then either do something that's very contemporary at the time that's going to speak to uh, an audience that's there for a whole lot of mainstream socioeconomic reasons, or you're maybe going to go with the art piece thing. What do you mean by socioeconomic reasons, Manny? Because you're so, saying it a lot. I, okay, sure. By that I mean... Um, culture, I mean. I, I, I guess... Of, uh, yes, culture. And I, I guess what I mean is... So I, I, I think this is something I tell myself. I was like, okay, well, so... I'm working on anecdotes at that time. I was kind of sorry, like, I'm going to put this out now because I know it's not going to become a big thing now, but it might yeah. age really well mm. and help me have my distinctive thing. So me kind of owning, in terms of the artistic pursuit, you know, this is rock now or yeah. whatever, in a context in South Africa where I'm not really going to get that momentum no. doing rock music as, a, as, 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 as like a, a, a you know, brown what's, artist here. Yeah. What's socioeconomic that sort of... About that is um, 
how am I, like uh, I, I I don't have the access to be able to play to black and colored young audiences in Cape Town because they so don't. Is that something they, you would have liked to do? Most well, m- m- most certainly. I think in a more in a more equal socioeconomic climate, yeah. that would, there would be more of that happening at the spaces in town, in Cape Town or whatever. And I think that intrinsically is linked to how blackjacks haven't played tours in this country, yeah. don't get headlined, haven't had yeah. headline slots in this country yeah. as such, but a band like, let's say, a Fork of Political have done the all politics. the things any big band can do in yeah. the world in their respective country they've done here. Yeah. But... Um, Dave Grohl's favorite album, you know what I mean? It's X, Y, Z. So I was like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? If, if you know what I mean. I was like, that's dope. What What does that mean? Because... I actually, um, go yeah. back to this article when the Black Jacks were talking, or someone had written this article in The Guardian about the Black Jacks, and they were talking about the fact that, yes, um, they're doing so well internationally, but it's hard for them at home. Yeah. They're not really getting a, a, a coverage in the in the black spaces for mm. very obvious reasons we're not we're not a culture we're not a rock orientated culture yeah. we're right yeah. but they're also not getting that same airplay on the white spaces where rock is there yeah and I thought that was really interesting brilliant um, 10 out of 10 because you know I would imagine okay well I mean they would take it but even well the, the writer had gone on to say that in South Africa um uh, they had referenced this 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 uh, five FM DJ who tried to play a blackjack song, and the listeners were like, "What is this? Why are you doing mm. this?" You know, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, then, and, at the, music. and at the same time, at the same time, you can imagine what it's playing in two thousand nine. I keep saying Prime Circle, the Politons, Re- Zebra and Giraffe, mm. right. all these yeah. bands. Yeah. What What's makes blackjack? Dave Vincent. Yeah, I mean Dave Elvis Blue, Dave Elvis Vincent. Blue. You know, like you can imagine that. Okay, well, the, uh, what the blackjacks does. You know, with the international audience, say it's close to Sonic Youth and Mars Volta. Yeah. yeah, but you can imagine that. Okay, that gets appreciated there. I mean, they did the Opikopis and the Rocking the Daisies and all these festivals, but there was still a you know a something that re- that, that was like repelling the white audience to what the black chicks were doing as well, and that that just kind of s- shows for me. It actually goes back to the point of there is such a uniquely African thing in what they do yeah. as well mm. that makes the white rock audience have Repel. an aversion. Yeah. Or d- 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 disconnect a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I and I mean, Essie mentioned this great point about what black bands do with rock as well in, and is that there's a musicianship there. There's such the a... The musicality is... Is is so 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 far ahead of what you know I would say what white musicians do who aren't bad musicians I'm not saying that sure but Nick <clears throat> I listen to a band like Fishbone crazy mm. crazy cats versus um, the Clash who can I say yeah the Clash. the Clash you know Fishbone are killing it you know and they are just on top of what they do or we don't know them as or living color but we don't know them as much as we do know. Um, um, the Clash, R- Red Hot Chili Peppers, who people like to say, how come the how come yeah, Fishbone isn't as is, isn't as big as Red Hot Chili Peppers? Race is obviously the big thing, but yeah, I don't know. I, I also want to think about the fact that maybe novelty has something to do with how we treat a lot of these um, quote unquote guitar music black artists. Uh, I'm looking at at Blackjacks and the fact that they were the first black you know band that we had came across. And I think what people like to do is get hyped over the the newness of everything. But let's move away from Black Jacks. Mm. And let's talk about The Brother Moves On. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about BCUC. Mm -hmm. I I think we kind of touched BCUC, but yeah. But we didn't talk about it. 
um, because we're like focused on the blackjacks right now, and what we're trying to do with this episode is to talk about mm-hmm. like the, black the guitar movement. music. Yeah, the, and yeah. Well, the brother moves on, kind of touching that same sense that African alternative music. So they call their music adult alternative on on Apple Music and you Yeah. Bet. Mm. And uh, and I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I mean, adult alternative. Yeah, yeah. adult alternative. I don't know. You, I don't yeah, know what that means. Well, I'm thinking like adult. I'm like up. adult contemporary, no. but alternative. No, adult alternative. I'm sure they got some uh, aggregator that was uh, <laughs> allowing them to be able to choose that uh, genre, but uh, the brother moves on. You know, coming at you with songs like Sigelela. You know, yeah. when I hear that, mm. that's very Bakanga and Maskandi, and I'm just like, okay, this. But this is the the aggression and the speed and the and the and the rock of everything is there. But there's such a South African context to what they're doing, which is what I felt um, was easier for them to do because the Blackjacks made this really loud noise in terms of their international coverage and success. And I think I feel like they fall in the spectrum. I like to call it a spectrum yeah. of black alternative music. You, you were going, you were going into you know the the genesis of punk. The one band we didn't get into was uh, the band called National Wake, which we discovered was a South African punk band in 1979 during right. the uh, really 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 heavy years and the apartheid regime. And they were doing what they're doing, very 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 great stuff. And uh, I mean, there's been so much time between what they did and what the black shacks do well i mean before that it's the genuine and the genuine and the genuines as well cape town band that added guma Okay, I think we didn't answer the question about thriving just to you know get to wrapping up this mm-hmm. conversation to get into our next segment. Thriving. Uh, and we have platforms like you were mentioning so far, Sounds, who really helped you in, in many ways, I would say. Right. Uh, and what Afro they do. Punk and Afropunk. And uh, um, there was this let's just list the punk fucks in Soweto, which is started by Soweto Rock Revolution. Mm. Some of the members of the Come In Your Face are part of this. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she put me onto that. I yeah. That before, yeah. So there are all these platforms. But, you know, you talk about Afropunk. I saw that Urban Village is playing there again. They played in 2017. They're playing there again. My question is, couldn't they have found another band? Are we doing then enough? Then they have to do the work. That's what, yeah, Imagine. that's what I'm saying. I think that's what makes the thriving question interesting to me because it's it's not thriving because maybe we aren't doing the work. And maybe, we like I said, the whole thing of there being one media city where it's Johannesburg and we know everything that's happening in Johannesburg, mm. but we don't know about what's happening in other cities, regardless of the genre yeah. that we're speaking yeah. of. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it, it, it's, it's possible for us to say that it is thriving just, you know, looking at what has happened since the 10 years have elapsed from the release of After Robots and looking at BCC and SunCloud doing these big international festivals. It's big for me, it's major. I think we can say it's thriving, but I think there has to be more of a work being done and looking for more and not just trying to uh, box, you know, whatever is black alternative music into... I was about to ask how SunCloud fits into this conversation because that's one thing I haven't gotten. Well, they fit in the same way to me that I said BCC does, the Afro-Psychedelia movement. Okay. Um, they like to call themselves art ensembles. 
And uh, BCC, interesting, interestingly, actually, they started off in this... Re- they've been playing for a while. They were playing even just the same time as Blackjacks as well. Yeah. Uh, but they started off in this format where it was like a guitar, like an actual guitar, and the singers, Jovin uh, Corsi, uh, and, uh, you know, the singers and the spoken word poet. Then they switched, and then they got my man on bass, uh, Musabetsi, Zamid, uh, who is phenomenal, holds the whole band down, one <laughs> melodic instrument, he's crazy. I remember the first time when BCUC started, you know, I guess getting um, traction in this country, I guess a few years ago, I remember seeing them, we played at Splashy Fan, I can't remember the year, mm. but, and seeing them in Durban, for the first time I'd seen them live. What year was this? I think 2016, hmm, maybe yeah. 17. Yeah, they, they've really been blowing up since that period, 2016 onwards. Now. Right, and I guess, I don't know, I've, I've picked this up, but all um, a lot of the big bands we're talking about, so for me, like Blackjacks, Brother Moves On, and BCUC, mm-hmm. um, I've got the thriving question at the back of my head. It's um, that same thing that I was talking about, the you know the Dave Grohl reference. They seem to have taken this performance aesthetic thing, mm-hmm. um, and that that's the dynamic. Like and that that that's kind of what's different about it. At the time, I remember I think watching with, watching with Asher, and then he was saying, you know, we the, the game's not really ready for a BCUC here, the independent scene, because mm-hmm. this is like a performance aesthetic thing. thing. It's such a different wave yeah. to, whereas a black church, you know, at least they, that's not a rock band. So yeah, we've got, ten, we've got yeah. two guitars, we've got a bass, we've got a drum, whatever. Yeah. Now these cats are doing it, right? And what's the most 20 minute songs. Right, 20 minute songs, yeah. you know, yeah. also four song sets, yeah. Or, yeah. Or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And the next time, I, and anyway, I really enjoyed that splashy uh, show because yeah. Um, the front man, of course, he was quite aggressive about getting white folks there in the space to engage with what he was saying. And at mm-hmm. the time, I was kind of like, this guy definitely knows they're mainly playing to white audiences. I wonder what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, they still I, do. And they, and they still do. But um, how that crosses over, I would dig to hear more from them, I guess, but mm-hmm. also just more thoughts. How that then crosses over to Europe. Um, yep. Because that's a very different thing to how I imagine a sound like mine crosses over. And now mm. we get to talk about the... Um, Nega music. Well, like, yeah, the indigenous thing and how that crosses over and what, you know, what is the aesthetic and what, you know, what makes it and... Yeah, why, I think and, it's easily marketable. No, no, that, 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 um, that, yeah. that, 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 that's totally what I think. So isn't that burdensome when you sit there and you're going, there's something that I'm doing specifically, whatever it is, which we haven't gotten to defining, maybe we'll never get to defining... Mm on this episode, but to go, okay, I'm playing at Rocking the Daisies, which for whatever it's worth is still a white festival. Yeah. So when you sit there and you know that I'm playing for Sulfur, I'm playing at Hungary, in Hungary, I'm playing at Daisies, I'm playing at this, do you not feel that bird? Mm. Like, yeah, most certainly. It has, to, it, has, it has to probably go artist by artist basis. You have to ask each of them how they would feel. Do you feel burdened? Yeah. I don't think, when I look at BCUC, that comes straight off Manny No, well, are you asking Manny? No, I'm, I'm also, I'm still, I'm reflecting your, I'm, I'm also reflect, I'm pondering your question. So you're, okay. um, <laughs> does that feel like a burden? Um, constantly worrying, sorry, just to re- yeah. recontextualize your question to what, understand your audience and worrying about yeah. that. Um, it's, I, I, I've, it's been, it's been a thing that was impossible to ignore from my pursuits here in South Africa because for a long time, I think I subscribed to the idea, like, is it a product issue? Because, like, <laughs> this, I, we opened for these cats and I saw them throw down. I don't know I what that was about yeah. or whatever. I know what was correct and what was not correct. But <laughs> it seems to be, you know, connecting a lot better or w- w- whatever. So I it just eventually it's a thing you can't ignore. But Jager music. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then I was kind of like, hey, look, man, don't think you're kind of like the thing which you're saying. Don't think you're special because it, you know it doesn't work or there aren't yeah. white folks here or whatever. That is an old. That's a thing I've identified in black artists trying to do something that's not been set up for them to do, uh. where you kind of. Uh, there needs to, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix and eventually, then you get momentum with this white audience, and yeah. then that leads to budgets and access yeah. and better shows yeah. or whatever it is. Um, That's why and, I keep uh, the novelty question as well. Mm. You know, do we throw in Sankai Experiment as the only band there, and then we have a bunch of like these other white bands? Mm. Um, do we throw? Because that's what. Yeah. Yeah. Do we throw in Blackjacks in the in Endless Days lineup? When Blackjacks is not the only Blackjacks. But Endless Days is consistent. They're consistent, but they're not also... There's not a great representation, though. But what is? Because Endless Days is doing better than Afropunk, I'll tell you that. No, it is, it is. But um, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, the fact that surely, 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 it can't just be Blackjacks and BCUC. This is our job. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Endless Days can still do better. I can give them the praise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fair. My, again, the over, maybe it's clear in my mind as like a musician who's tried to you know monetize his art in Cape Town surrounds. But this thing of audience to me is very pressing in how any band is going to make momentum to take whatever the novelty or the idea was anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, the pursuit for stage is the pursuit to play, and then that uh, it inevitably becomes about mm. who are the people that are coming to this festival. Mm. Yeah. Because the mm. I'm I'm I, I like yeah. so I I think endless days are doing. Um, like I said, they hold like a special niche type place at a time yeah. in Cape Town where, oh man, we need some alternative spaces. But it's kind of silly for us to be sitting here thinking that that's not vested in some kind of like white Cape Town alternative yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. scene, it's, it's worked around that and yeah. they kind of got called out. I think they responded to it better than most South African run festivals yeah. would be able to yeah. by kind of identifying, identifying, hang on, we can't claim an alternative space in Cape Town that's and then just ignore the socioeconomic yeah. reality that, oh wait, there's mainly all the folks who go to Mercury mm-hmm. or whatever, who used to, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think the only thing that Endless Days, what, what it does pr- provide, which um, you kind of um, alluded to, is I feel like it's a better aesthetic space for a band like, uh, BCC or Sankla to yeah. go and try to f- uh, uh, present their yeah. product mm-hmm. to in a space where it might have less of this oh crumbs I what like what are we doing at this white festival yeah. um, where afterwards do you know what I mean it's going to be like a, a, a folk jivey band playing but we're out here it just starts to then feel like the diversity portfolio a lot more yeah. aggressively how do we finalize what we're talking about black alternative music what is our closing thoughts inside SE Open-ended question. It's an open-ended question. Mm. I think, I think it's it's thriving just from seeing these really really big acts in the sense of the fact that they're playing these really great festivals, doing what they're doing, and I think I am open to more of it happening. And I think it also requires a lot of us to expand our ideas. Yeah. Black alternative music. Mm. Um, one guy we didn't even get to mention is Petit Noir. And what we he, did. He managed to do so many great things in the space that, you know, that, that he was working with. Mm. From Cape Town to, like, you know, right. come on, like on a Danny Brown album. You know, that's... that's to a, claiming Beyonce's story. You know what I mean? So, um... Something I thought about also in terms of a cat that we didn't, like, didn't touch on, but also I suppose it falls a little bit outside of the realm of rock. Mm-hmm. But Spook Matambo yeah. was for me pretty yeah. much the first. Ooh. I reckon yeah. that the first like like you know like brown cat. I was like yeah. this dude 
is uh, he's identified that there's no real lane for him here, yeah. so yeah. he is just going to. It's, I don't know. Yeah, yes. and, and that's I'll, another conversation it's, that we didn't it's, get into. It's, it's you, you mentioned this point when you were like saying, you know, like the spectrum that I was trying to bring up is yeah. very is very hard it's because fast. you can go into Spook Batamba yeah. and Stiff Pop and you know all of these. Oh, Marina Lerabo, Nakane Toure, Nakane Toure, some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think. Oh, bondage! Up yours! One, two, three, four! And that's a wrap. Um, I yeah. certainly didn't expect that conversation to go as well and as interestingly as it did and I feel like we went to places that we didn't imagine we were going to go into mm-hmm. I feel like we went to places we didn't imagine we were going to go to because um, we'd just been stuck on is the black alternative music scene thriving but it was nice to sit down and try to define what is black alternative in South Africa yeah. and to have Manny's interesting points on you know his colored expression mm-hmm. um, and sort of how that fits into the picture. I thought that was very interesting and I'm actually very excited to see how f- like how this podcast is going to go because just the depth with which we we have these discussions I thought it was pretty cool. It was really great. Thank you to our guest Manny Walters for joining us and giving us this great insight. Thank you to Studio 47 for allowing us to use their space to record this episode. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to give us a like and subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can give us a five-star rating if you'd be so kind. Uh, And yeah, look out for the next episode. Peace and love, always. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think... Oh, bondage! Up yours! Bondage!